Uh, we're here in Dubai, and uh, many of you are aware of the uh, incredible, and I mean incredible, developments over the last many months. And one of the people who could speak to this is uh, Fleur Hassan Nahum, Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem and co-founder of the UAE Israel Business Council. Um, she grew up in Gibraltar, studied law at King's College in London, and has a very, very impressive resume, including her stint on the City Council of Jerusalem. She's co-founder of the UAE-Israel Business Council, which builds ties that promote trade, innovation, and cooperation between Israel and the UAE. There is a website, uaeisraelbusiness.com, uaeisraelbusiness.com. It is a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful being here. How are things in the holy city? And in this case, I mean Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody would be confused this week, that right? That is correct. <laughs> um, wonderful. We have a fantastic mayor for the last two years. His name is Moshe Leon, who's a great guy. Cleaned up the city, building the city, making infrastructural improvements, development all the time. And uh, and I'm happy to be serving under him and uh, and looking forward to the future. Jerusalem is the future. Yeah, it is the future. There's no question. And I always say the future of the Jewish peoples in the state of Israel. In no city other than Jerusalem uh, can can one believe it as much as in Jerusalem. I can tell you that much. And the, the this whole challenge of COVID-19 has created a variety of challenges, to say the least. And Jerusalem, we know, was an, as is, as has all of Israel, been hit relatively hard when you look at what's happened over the last few months. With all of that, though, it sounds like you're pretty optimistic of what's happening in Jerusalem. Well, I'm an optimist in general. I think anybody who isn't an optimist has no place in politics, because then what are you offering people, right? Um, no, we've had a very challenging time, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Basically, 20 to 30 percent of our economy, directly or indirectly, is based around foreign tourism. Right. Five million tourists a year come to Jerusalem, which is almost 90 percent of all the tourists coming to the country. That was wiped out, like in many cities. We're not unique in that. But we were very hard hit. All the cafes, everything around tourism, totally decimated. Um, We were already, and not a lot of people know this, which unfortunately is true, the poorest city in the country. Why? Because the two largest um, minority groups in the country that are most economically marginalized are living in their largest numbers in Jerusalem. So 37% Arab population, 25% Haredi population. Both these populations live very much under the poverty line. Arabs is about 70%, Haredi is about 50%. It's too high. And the workforce participation in these two populations are low. The Haredi community is the men, they work 50%. And in the Arab community is the women work 20%. 20%. More women are working in percentage-wise in Saudi Arabia than are working in East Jerusalem. Uh, and and it's problematic, much less than any town, Arab town or city of Israel. Right. When you look at why, we see that education, of course, has a part to play in these statistics. But they're very depressing statistics. Um, so already we were in a state of constantly pushing forward with renewal ideas with all sorts of um, excellence programs training programs and then you know everything kind of stopped and went the other way so we're hoping that all this turns around quickly and that uh, even though things are where they are yes they're going to hopefully uh, get better and better as we go through the next few months absolutely and i think that the peace with uh with the uae with bahrain are going to be a part of that right because you know for many years as you know we've had such an incredible amount of tourism from the Christian world. 
and we're looking at the new area, the new chapter of Muslim tourism to the third holiest site, which is, uh, you know, Temple Mount. Sure. And everybody that I've met here has on their bucket list that they want to come to Jerusalem. So I'm very excited by this. Would they feel era. comfortable doing so, in your opinion? I think they would, and I'm here to make sure that they know that they should feel comfortable. Right. And I'm I'm trying to create the best product possible for the needs of the Emirati Bahraini tourists. Right. Flor Hassan Nahum is here. How did you tell us from the beginning about your association with the UAE? Because everyone, of course, has September the 15th and the official Abraham Accords as the date that's so significant from two and a half months ago. But the reality is that this whole association began much earlier, right? Yes. Um I, I mean, I have a, my, my co-founder is called Dorian Barak. He's been working for about a decade in this region as a hub to Africa and China, where, where he was doing a lot of work, a lot of uh, different business opportunities for Israel and for American. Um, um, you know, he had run, he run a few funds. He sat on a, a lot of boards. So he was already in this environment. And I've been talking for about a year with the folks, uh, from the American embassy. They never told me that it was this was imminent, but we were talking about normalization deals. We were talking about rapprochement. We were talking about how to bring how to bring us and the UAE closer. Um, and so all this came together. And back in June, Dorian kept telling me, you know, the new frontier for Israel is definitely the Gulf. Hmm. So I said to him, let's just create something. Let's create something. Build it, and they will come. Right. right. So we built it in June. And we had no idea that in August this announcement was going to be made. <laughs> so you had the council in place not realizing that this whole thing was about to explode in a good way. Not realizing. We just knew that normalization was on speed. Right. We didn't realize it was actually going to peak in that in the same year. Um, that certainly didn't cross our minds for a second. Once it did, though, we created an online platform within a few days. We made a lot of noise about it. And till today, we have three and a half people signed up to the UAE Israel Business Council and we have data we know what spaces what verticals people want to do business in right. and what's unique about our platform and unique about our, our organization is that it's not just Israel like a chamber of commerce or UAE like a chamber of commerce this has been created both by Israelis and Emiratis together now why is this week so important is this a typical week that there's so much business being conducted between the two countries or is this an exceptional week because of the expo and everything that's going on now I think it's, I mean, I think Israelis have been trickling in for a while. I think it's, look, it's this combination of things. Hanukkah, people are tired of of being home. They want to get out. Here things are a little freer. They're very COVID conscious here, but people keep to the rules. Um, I think that there were just about three or four very interesting conferences this week. All business related, right? All business related. I actually, I think I I probably, um, I hosted, I co-hosted the only non-business related conference. (laughs) Well, it wasn't a conference. It was a real uh, wonderful, beautiful moment uh, where on Sunday night, um, the Crossroads of Civilization Museum which is a local museum that I met with and a museum that I'm, I'm part of leading forward, which is a museum of Jews from uh, Arab and Muslim lands. Um, a very important part of our narrative, Safari, Mizrahi Jews, which I'm very proud to be a Spanish Moroccan Jew. Uh, my husband's family are Iraqi Jews. And I think we have a very important role to play, not only in our narrative in the region, as indigenous, of course, um, but also in the bridging because of similar cult- cultural similarities. Which, with- again, many of us, especially the way we were educated, 
in the environment that we grew up, we don't always appreciate those no. those similarities. But yeah. you 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 know a lot about them. I I know something. My my mother comes from Morocco. My family till today is living in Morocco. Have Muslim business partners. You know, my father was a politician in Gibraltar. His biggest you know supporters were Muslims, and so I grew up in that environment as a Sephardi Jew. And I believe that we're very natural bridge builders to this. Yeah. And so what we wanted to do is put our flag in the sand, and that's what we did on Sunday night. We signed an MOU between the Future Museum, which is the Heritage Center for Middle East and North African Jewelry, and the Crossroads of Civilization Museum. We had the Minister of Tolerance coming, and it was a wonderful, wonderful moment. It's not just business. It's culture. It's culture, cultural exchange. It's friendship. It's building relationships. Right. This is warm peace. And what's, and what's interesting is we never saw this. And I know some might argue with me that maybe to a degree we did, but we never saw this no. with a peace agreement with Egypt. We no. never saw this with a peace agreement with Jordan. We never saw it with any country that Israel has reached out to. And now, in such a short period of time, we are seeing it in earnest from this country. This is what's so exciting. I mean, I don't think anybody can argue that we have a warm peace with Egypt. Right. We have a strategic peace, which has kept stability, regional stability, no doubt. And Jordan, the same. It's not a warm piece. I've never seen Egyptian tourists coming to the Temple Mount. Right. Even Jordanian tourists. Israelis go to Petra here. Mm-hmm. You know, Sinai, you don't see a warm piece. And I, and I have to say, there's a caveat here. It's a different era. It's the era of Zoom and WhatsApp. And we can't compare. I don't know what peace with Egypt or Jordan would have been if we would have done it today. We can't judge. Right. But it is what it is. And it's not a warm piece. Two questions for you. The first is... Um, it, and I, I, I'm, this is not a this is not a backhanded way to get the current president of the United States some credit. But I'm curious from your standpoint, if if someone else was in office, would this have moved as quickly as it did? Would there be a White House ceremony the way there was, or would this simply likely have been something that Israel and the UAE would have done without the assistance of the United States? Absolutely not. I'm very open about this, and of course I don't, uh, you know, I don't come out supporting one side or right. another. This happened because of Donald Trump and Jared Kushner. There's no doubt. Because I'll tell we you, would not be here right now. No, absolutely not. I mean, I might have come on a holiday with Understood. my British passport, but you wouldn't have half of Israel and Jerusalem <laughs> Jerusalem and New York. And in this hotel. <laughs> and in this hotel with kosher food. No, I, I mean, I, I'm very open about this. And I've said this in numerous interviews uh, everywhere in the international press, American press. The State Department of the United States for many years had a mantra. A mantra that we heard John Kerry talk about very openly. And that is, you can never have normalization with the Arab world unless you solve the Palestinian problem. It took somebody like Trump, and of course Kushner, to come and say, no, we're not going to just follow or go along with that pattern cut out for us by decades of American policy in the Middle East. Uh-uh. And whatever was necessary, business-wise, and I'm being careful how I say These are it, business people. and security-wise, yes. America would make sure the UAE got it. Whatever they felt had to be done to make sure this deal happened. Whatever had to be done. Right? The point is, and I said this in, in an interview, there was hand-holding here, no doubt, by Jared Kushner, who came and used his, uh, his, his personal capital here. I mean, I don't mean in a, in a, right. a business sense, capital. Business capital, right. his reputation, his experience and pushed everybody together final question yeah tie this somehow all together you your deputy mayor of jerusalem you described the difficulty in the city in general poorest city in israel on top of that you spoke about you know putting the overlay of covid covid19 on top of the city makes things even more difficult yet you also said that you think that what's happening here now could potentially 
help the city of Jerusalem. Absolutely. Explain how. That's why I'm here. Um, as you know, as, as you know, 37% of our population is Arab. Right. I believe there's a very natural, organic bridge to be built between the Gulf states and the Arab population of East Jerusalem because East Jerusalem um, needs to be developed. We, I mean, I look in the mirror and say, we didn't do enough. We've changed our policy, the government of Israel and the municipality in the last three years. We want to bring opportunity. We want the mantra, the philosophy of the deal of the century of Trump, which is peace through economic development and opportunity. That's what I believe in, and that's what I'm here to push. Well, phenomenal. You're doing a great job at it. And from the moment we started getting associated with the UAE and potentially being here, your name has come up a thousand times. Well, you can thank Ariela Stein. Yes, <laughs> believe me, we're going to be thanking her from today till tomorrow <laughs> and beyond that. Uh, Flor Hassan Nahum, Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem, co-founder of the UAE Israel Business Council. I look forward to seeing you in Jerusalem, please God. Please God, inshallah, I look forward to receiving you Inshallah there. is right. Yes, I have to remember what part of the world I'm in. <laughs> I thank you very, very much. Um, Flor Hassan with us on a very special Tuesday broadcast here at JM&A.